Welcome to the Unorthodox Film Podcast. This will be our first episode. Uh, I'm Joe Quick, and with me is my co-host. Uh, Bradford Clark here, ready and excited. Um, so so what, tell the nice folks at home what we're doing here today, Brad. So this is what we're going to do on the Unorthodox Film Podcast. We are going to talk about movies at great length because we discuss that shit all the time, and it's been brought to our attention that uh, people might like listening to us talk about it. Maybe we have an interesting take, but regardless, we got something to say. We do. <laughs> and we have a lot of fun talking about it, so we thought we'd uh, in- include you all in it, and hopefully we start a dialogue, and regardless, we're going to enjoy talking about movies. So this is the approach that we're going to take. We are going to take a topic each week and grab our own personal list of uh, films that we believe rightly fit that topic. Some of them could be about genres, best action. Uh, well, how do we feel about best, Joe, on this show? Uh, I don't play favorites. You know what I mean? I like what I like. I don't like going into the depth of like numbering and putting things in order. There's so much out there that I just want to like put my hat in the ring. I don't want to argue about, well, this is the best. What? Right. Like, I, everybody has a different opinion about what's right. best, what's better. So we're not what they necessarily like, going to so. put numbers on it, but we're going to select each week the representative films that, that we find personally relatable to that for whatever our reasons may or may not be. So this isn't a definitive best of or uh, uh, anything that you can clock. Yeah, like we're not that. scholars. No. We, we are professional filmmakers, but we're professional appreciators. We, all of our lives, have just loved cinema. Right. It excites us and, and drives us to deep get, dive into these deep conversations that we just want to include everybody in. Um, so then the second half of our show each week will be to have taken one of those films that were discussed in that topic, uh, putting them in a hat and pulling one out. We will then watch it for the next episode, and we would discuss it in great length, uh, whether or not that movie uh, still represents what we think it represents, whether or not it holds up, um, explore uh, different filmmaking aspects of it as we see fit, um, conversations possibly around the content and its applicability to society or what the filmmakers were or were not trying to say. Uh, we don't know. The, 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 the depth of the conversation will be open from there. However... Since this is our first episode, we don't have a movie that we've watched this week. Uh, so what we've decided to do is at the uh, latter half of our show, we are going to uh, kind of discuss openly just our general love for film and what our uh, journey has been to bring us here today as far as our, our appreciation and involvement in uh, film and the film industry. Does that sound about right, Joe? Yeah, we're going to talk about our love for film, our appreciation for the art, and how we've gotten involved with the industry so joe why don't we go ahead and start off and you tell us what we discussed what we decided to discuss this week so this week because we didn't we didn't watch a film our first our first list we're we're gonna do is the top five films from childhood that inspired you to become a filmmaker or just inspired you as a as a person to in a creative manner Right, movies that, that came across our paths uh, that wowed us or moved us to continue to watch and, and pick up where it was more than just casual entertainment. Uh, movies that still ring with us or 
uh, still make an impression or uh, helped move us in the direction to be more curious uh, to see the behind the scenes and, and the, yeah, the desire to be involved in this at a we all had that, level. that VHS or that DVD that just sat in the player on repeat. You know, you would just right. watch it over and over again. So we're, we're you know we're, we're including that in this, but it's like but what were what was in those that drove you to be more curious about the art form. Yeah. So how did you go about coming up with this list um, this week? What what kind of went through your mind? Yeah, it was like I I honestly didn't really finalize it till I would say like yesterday evening. Like I was still like fluctuating and changing things around. Um, it was really it was hard to like put aside like my my opinions and tastes and like the whole category of everything I've viewed from that era, mm-hmm. just aside in my mind and Did really you remember yourself, um, an, what an little age Joe was limit like as to far as like, I'll only include movies that influence me up to such and such age. I, I Where kind of did. Your... I, I, well, I cut it off at like 11, 12. Cause I know age 11, 12, not good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like I was born in 1982. So like 93, mm-hmm. 94 was really my cutoff. Cause I, well, and I knew that at 12 is when I discovered evil dead. So that was like a whole new right. chapter in my life when it came to movies. So that was like an elevation. Stuff. Yeah. So okay. I, I had, I was doing before that time in my life. Okay. Yeah. I think all of the ones that I have selected pre-pubescent as it were. for one, I do have one. Um, that I'll possibly talk about that fits more in the high school era, but that may have been that one, like you said, Evil Dead, that kind of you know moved me into a more um, scholastic approach to to cinema. Know, to cinema, yeah, yeah. that makes uh, sense. So, uh, so why don't you why don't you start us off? Why don't you uh, take us through? Uh, I think what we'll do is we'll uh, we'll go back and forth a little bit, and uh, we'll see where our where our um, choices align. If, yeah. they, if they do at all do you so let right. me ask you this do you believe that we're going to have any similar picks it's possible but i i mean i don't think so we had different upbringings and you know same hometown kind of right i'm i moved around more like I, <clears throat> I i lived in wayne and westland and in between there i was in florida for a year my parents and you know, belleville at one point like we moved around quite quite a bit at some but then once we landed in Westland, I was there for the rest of my life. But um, so um, was we mentioned earlier that we're not putting numbers on these. So what's your approach to presentation? Well, I kind of had an order because I feel like in my mind, like that's the way I, the order I was exposed to them. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. chronologically almost. Okay. So my first one was uh, Little Monsters, which is a uh, old. When that came out in '89, uh, and, and uh, who was it? That's uh, Howie this, Mandel. Uh, Fred right? Savage, Ben Savage, Howie Mandel. Uh, what's his? Fred, wait, Fred and Ben Savage. Yeah, because they they play little, you know, each other's brothers. Okay, you know, their actual brother. And then uh, the what's his name from uh, Home Alone plays the dad, Marv or whatever. Where? Hold on, because he's so good. What's his name? He was also in like Holes. So how how old Daniel you? Stern? Oh, Daniel Stern. I love Daniel Stern. He plays Stern. the father, right? It's, it's, so it's it's a movie, um, Little Monsters. It's about like the monster under the bed, right? 
So Fred Savage plays Brian and he isn't scared of monsters living under the bed. And on the contrary, when he gets to know a wild-eyed boogeyman, Maurice played by Harry Mandel, the pair become fast friends. And, you know, it's it, they take him into this whole underground world under the beds. And you can go into other people's houses coming up under their beds and stuff. And, like... It was just real cool, the, the make-believe world and everything. But then there was also, like, like as children, he was, like, him and his friends were, like, into science. So, like, he built traps Is this the lights. one where he, uh, the Howie character pulls him into, like, a dreamland and... Yeah, under the bed, like, the whole, this whole make-believe world, yeah. So I, I, I saw that like a as a parallel dimension, yeah. I was probably mid-20s when I saw that, and I've only seen it the one time. Uh, but I definitely recall the, uh, like the set design was was fabulous. The the bright colors, the the wacky design. Of, yeah, and even as a young kid, it drew me, and I was like, wow, like how did they like it looks so real? How because everything's practical effects. Mm-hmm. You know, there was sure there was some stuff like there was like little fairies that flew around that were just like sparkling dust. So that stuff was done with computers probably but that so was I don't like recall, the max were of all the monsters just people in like sesame street suits as opposed to like muppets or there, there were some there, there were some there, people in suits and there were some puppets there so was like puppets. a crossover yeah. okay there was a bit of both but wh- what really gets you is like just how extravagant these costumes were you mm-hmm. know what i mean like some of them were had to be really uncomfortable hours and hours of makeup you know? i imagine what um, what was it? it was a I imagine a comedy right, overall. Yeah, yeah, it definitely it definitely was a comedy. It's a, it's what they have it listed under here is a family fantasy. Okay. Right. So I guess that's what it was marketed as. And you said you mentioned that first because that's one of your early remembrances of a, a film, or was that something that? Yeah, I saw that when I was young, and okay. like I had it on like VHS. You know what I mean? It was was that one of the on repeats? Yeah, for sure. Because you know I was I was like nine when it came out. And yeah, then not even right. No, shit, eight and a half, seven. So yeah. I was so young. one of my one of my earliest repeats um, was, and and this is one of the ones where I was like, do I talk about it? Do I not talk about it? Um, but it, I have to, because regardless of where it stands in the, in the zeitgeist of film, and of course, like, oh my God, of course he's going to say that, but Star Wars Return of the Jedi was my on repeat. You know, we only had the okay. one for the longest time. Yeah. We didn't have the series until it was a, a re-release and, and we got all three of them. So unless it played on TV and to my mom, it was all Star Wars. So Star Wars is on tonight. Do you want to watch it? And, and until I was old enough to know the difference, it was all just Star Wars. Yeah. All three movies were all, so... I had, I had an Uncle Paul, and he had, like, all the pay channels, so he would record them off TV and just, like, give them to the family. That was, like, his yeah his gift, at least to, at least to my mom, so, you know. So we had So you got the from, cable movies. Yeah, the, the uh, from Cinemax and HBO mm-hmm. and the movie channel and all that back in the day. And, yeah, so, like, we had those, but there was still, you know, as a kid, the, like, so I, I watched the Star Wars, you know, I'd seen them, but I didn't really care too much about it. I was like, oh, you know, like cool space stuff, but I wasn't into like like oh Star Wars. Like everybody yeah, gets all my, crazy about my it. My earliest memories I, d- of, I do enjoy sci fi, but of watching movies as a child, um, was like I can I can vividly remember 
watching the Ewok movies, although never have I seen them again, so I couldn't tell you anything about them. But that must have been something that was on TV, and somehow that led to getting The Return of the Jedi, which featured the Ewoks, but as a movie that... that uh, you know, you could watch on a summer day or, or whenever. You're talking about like the studio films. That oh, are like no, there the... was a, I think it was a TV show or, or maybe they were just straight to video. I, straight don't, to video. I don't remember. It was just all, all we all Ewok all the time. Well, yeah. Well, in, yeah. And in the research I was doing in the eighties, there were some straight to video releases that were just Ewok movies that I was and like, I Oh, I, did, I wasn't them. aware of these, but I saw them when I was looking up like, what movies was I watching when I was this so age? So at some you know? point, our library then contained Return of the Jedi. So I did watch that on, on you know, rather frequently. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that I would include it in my top five. So I think the first that I'm going to pick for one of my five is The Rocketeer. I love The Rocketeer as a kid. I did, yeah. The Rocketeer, if you're not familiar, is a Disney movie about a pilot. He's a show pilot, does stunts, uh, Cliff Secord. And yeah. he is out one day uh, flying his stunts when um, a group of mobsters comes loose on the airfield and shooting their Tommy guns and making all kinds of trouble. And in the process, I believe they shoot his plane down, but there's a crash. And, and he discovers... In the crashed mob vehicle, a rocket that it appears to be wearable as a backpack, and it's yeah, a jetpack. It's a story of this made guy by Howard Hughes. By Howard Hughes, um, played by I forget the guy's name, but he ended up being in Lost. He was uh, one of the um, leads on Lost for the longest time. I always remember him. Oh, that's Howard Hughes. That's Howard Hughes. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, I don't um, remember his name. I'd know him if I saw him. Though. Joe Johnston uh, directed The Rocketeer. Um, he came from the camp that helped make Star Wars. And after uh, the last Star Wars movie, when the people at ILM were sitting around not doing a whole lot, um, some of them got laid off and he went back to school educated himself on being a filmmaker and that was his first film back uh, into yeah. the business I, and I highly recommend that's, it so the crazy, Cliff yeah. becomes the Rocketeer and it's a superhero movie it's got Timothy Dalton playing uh, a, a, Nazi. Clark, a Clark Gable actor <laughs> hiding in a book so here's what I love about that movie because as a kid I didn't realize the incredible subtext that was there Yeah, but that that's that during that whole golden era there was the whole blacklist where if they thought you were a Nazi they would say mm, Nazi and yeah. strike your name was put on a list you did yeah. not get employed yeah even if so, you, even if you weren't like you just right. just the hearsay just the right. gossip of it yeah. right uh, Jennifer Connelly's in it Jennifer Connelly is in it she's adorable the damsel in distress she's yep. so good yeah. highly recommended there's this incredible scene on the the Hindenburg uh, blimp and so they kind of tie that in yeah. with the destruction of the Hollywood sign so there's just so much going on there and for a kids movie like I don't even think nowadays the kids movies get that sort of like genuine cinema cinem cinematic <laughs> excuse me that cinematic attention you know it's the, the yeah, kids that, movies are that shot was sloppy. really good and I, I mean think, thinking back I can't believe I didn't think of that like because I did watch that one a lot as a child as well and I was probably on repeat because i probably had a tape of it. we had it on tape yeah um one of the other things that clued me in uh as far as like drawing me into the industry we had a subscription a magazine subscription at home uh called disney adventure and it was a little pulp fiction type small um i'm making hands like you guys can see the hands i'm making but it's, it's a <laughs> I small can see. 
I bought this house like a mini iPad. Um, but it had comics, it had stories, blah, blah, blah. But it, it was also obviously a promotional vehicle tool for Disney. So anytime yeah. movies or shows came out, they had little articles. And so they had like kind of... books. They had kind of a little making of article on the Rocketeer. Oh, that's so cool. So, I mean, it didn't... I can't imagine it gave I didn't you know, get too many great details, but that... That, that I got was zoo a, books. I didn't get the Disney one. That little bit of look behind what went into making what I saw eventually when yeah. it came to VHS, because um, I had been anticipating at that point. Right. Because we yeah. didn't go to oh, theaters. Yeah, the wait. So it was in the magazine before it was in the theater. Right? Yeah. So I had to then wait for the theater run, then the you know VHS release, and then whenever uh, the parents were around to picking it up. And, yeah. and that one was one that uh, I remember just watching endlessly so really good that's that's my that's my number five or or my my first of five picks yeah little monsters i also highly recommend totally different feel though you know this one's like fantasy that one's they're both family but that one's more like like old hollywood you know it's it's a period piece really the set designs the the Action pieces, yeah, every, it the was props. Just, oh, yeah, that that freaking jetpack looked awesome. It, his it was, helmet, I even hundred percent believe they were letting this actor just shoot around on some Hollywood jetpack they made. Like it, I didn't give the VFX any consideration, right? No, at the time, no, and I, I didn't give the VFX for for this for Little Monsters any consideration either because the production value, the the practical effects, it was all there. You know, the set deck, the costume design, all of it was just so on point. It it took you to the world. You know what I mean? You didn't question it. You mm-hmm. were in it. It's the same as Rocketeer. It's just beautifully made movies. Something that I feel, and I, I imagine we're probably going to see this continued with uh, more of the picks that we have coming forward, but already I'm seeing that uh, our picks, they, they weren't, while they're, young i don't want to say children because i can't really say that rocketeer was for kids kids but you know for for the younger audience they weren't placating they the scripts were genuine the i mean the jokes in little monsters were probably a little more on the the kid-friendly side than the rocketeer a a little bit no there was there's some risque stuff in that little monsters like the the talk that the parents have because they're like they bought their dream house and he has to now commute an hour to work while she's fixing up the house and he's like they're overly tired you hear them bickering you like the the actual content of their dialogue is like real life stuff like you can see these kids like you can see how the parents would think like the monsters aren't real this this is part of like the trauma of them like going into a separation do you remember what the musical score or soundtrack was like for little monsters it was a score there was no like songs that you'd have heard on the radio it was definitely like because the music in the rocketeer was definitely very well produced like there was definitely effort put in yo there was effort put in. it was definitely not like just a drone well that's part of what takes you into that world right you know like he gets pulled under the bed there's magical sounds you know what i mean like it's this whole it's a whole immersive thing yeah, it's and it's. I'll never forget the scene so well. that uh, Cliff Secord is rocketless, and he's uh, got to just be a regular old hero. And he's at Howard Hughes' um, uh, facility. Facility. He's air hangar, right? Yeah. Where he's got 
the Spruce Goose, which was famously a large plane that Howard Hughes, the real Howard Hughes, had designed that was told that <laughs> it was too big yeah. to fly. It won't fly. And here Cliff Secord it's an aircraft jumps, carrier. jumps on this model that's suspended above the air, the air hangar Those and he giant floats. cargo planes, yeah. And Howard goes, uh, they bring up the guns and Bob bring up the guns. He's like, no, no, no. He goes, I'll be damned. The son of a bitch will fly. And yeah. he just floats the Spruce Goose model out into the field. And it was just, I just... I mean, maybe it's because I'm too far attached from children's movies now. You know, my kid is 20 now, so it's been some time since I've really sat down and watched it. But I don't recall in the last 20 years seeing a movie with such scope that was marketed to a younger audience to really grab the appeal of what a a live action movie can offer as opposed to, I mean, I... I no, watched a lot of good CGI movies. Now. Yeah, yeah, I watched a lot of good. I mean, the scripts were great, but it it, it was animation. You know, there was yeah. no set. There was no emotion on an actor's face. It was all generated. So uh, for me, that movie definitely stands out. Um, so Joe, why don't you go ahead and tell us what uh, your next pick is going to be? So my next pick is another one from uh, 1989, and it is Back to the Future Part Two. Now, as an adult, I obviously, I, I enjoy the first one a little more. But as a kid, the second one was just huge for me because, you know, going into the future, like actually into the future because in the first one, but they never actually went to the future. I feel like, you know, they didn't. But I, I feel like in the second one, there's a lot you more. You had the appeal. hoverboard, you had the flying right. DeLorean. Well, the colors, yeah. they, they had that, that quote yes. unquote futuristic look. So there was all the extra neon, the yes. weird LEDs. It was fascination. The, the was it Pepsi ads? All over the place. Yeah, Pepsi, Coke. Yeah, yep. I think yeah, it was always Pepsi and and Back to the Future for sure. Yeah, but yeah, Back to the Future Part Two just because of the you know the flying DeLorean and the hover the hoverboard. Man, how, what kid if you saw that movie didn't want a hoverboard? Oh, 100 percent. We all wanted one. Like we, we didn't care if it was he was. Pink. I still didn't, want wasn't his a pink? goddamn hoverboard. Yeah, pink. Didn't care. Didn't care. Give me that pink ass hoverboard. Yeah. I still want that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting close. They are getting close. Getting you close. can you can pretend it with those little jet skis above the water. Yeah, and honestly, like that's the real jetpack. Like no flames. You just it's just like a Propo- the air propulsion. Yeah, air propulsion ones, dude. Have mm-hmm. you seen those? So dope. Yeah, I, I look. I mean, I I will probably kill myself on one. So I'll watch. Yeah, but I'd I'd rock this. I know you I would. I'll watch. It. I'm not clumsy. Yeah, no, I am. Um, so Back to the Future Two. Yeah. Was. Um, it's it's still one of my favorite movies. Like I would say of all time, I wouldn't like put it in the top ten or anything, but top one hundred for sure. Maybe even top fifty. Uh, and didn't they do a but lot it's, of? But it's a trilogy. It's the whole franchise that I love. They did a lot of I mean? double work in that movie as well, right? They uh, did. Yeah, they played their. Type? They played their older selves, and Michael J. Fox played himself, his his son, and his daughter. He okay. played his own daughter. He played his older self, his younger self, like. Yeah, because I remember that being like a big deal with maybe he gave Eddie Murphy the idea. No, because Coming to America was yeah a couple years before that. Yeah, Yeah. well, shoot, I mean, Monty Python's been doing it for ages. It's been going on in Hollywood forever. Yep, Um, that's a good pick, though. I did not consider the Back to the Futures. Um, I think the the movie that uh, probably hit me the way that. Back to the Future 2 hit you for me was Ghostbusters. 
uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah, I love Ghostbusters so still... much. And like that is that was almost on my list, but I was like, I know Brad's probably gonna have that 100%. one. percent. Like just Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and that Harold Ramis. The style yeah, of just comedy. Anything they did, I just fucking um, loved. It was an adventurous movie, but it was funny. Um, the set pieces were obviously just you know out of this world, and um, for a, you know a kid you know eight to eleven years old that had everything I needed to watch on repeat. You know, the Slimer was was the jam. Yeah. Um, you couldn't. I mean, even as a kid, Bill Murray was funny. He's an, he's an asshole now as an adult. You go. Yeah. You look back, like a lot of the dialogue definitely didn't sail with me. I just I knew something was there that I was supposed to find funny. Yeah. But right. The comic timing. Right. Right. It's universal. I mean, I definitely always have loved when Bill Murray walks in and he's looking around her apartment and he starts like condescendingly talking about the eggs on the table and this and that. And he's got that stupid little wafter thing and he's Whatever squeezing wand it. thing yeah he's squeezing as he's going around and then he's he puffing air lifts the he lifts the uh the cover off of the piano and just plays two notes she looks at him and he looks he goes they hate, they hate this that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know anybody else could deliver that line and it just it would it wouldn't have the impact yeah that, that bill, bill murray, murray has his own way that, and that whole cast you know um I, I think without them, you wouldn't have been able to pave the way for a lot of the Judd Apatow type uh, comedies. Oh, yeah. Uh, Harold know, the, Ramis the Seth, and Dan Aykroyd. The Seth Rogen stuff. stuff and laid it behind the scenes, yeah. You know, it's the that, that style of comedy, that, that style of... Bill Murray gets a lot of credit for that. And yes, he was acting on them, but it was Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd who were, back, and who were doing Reitman, writing man. and producing. Ivan Reitman. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that yeah that that fascinated me. I don't know that Ghostbusters specifically was a movie that made me want to make movies. Right, and that's why I it didn't make my list. Yeah, it was because it was earlier. Like I, I think at that point in my life, I wanted to be like an actor and a race car driver. You yeah, know, like why not be all the cool shit from TV? Right. Um, but I didn't even know what that really meant. And to be a hundred percent honest, the only reason I wanted to be an actor was because I was indecisive. And I was like, well, as an actor, you literally get to be all of them. Yeah. Right. Um, but that small interest in acting always like was in the back of my mind. Yeah. Um, you know, being someone who was a performer through life uh, as a young child, yeah. it was always like a possibility. But uh, the pursuit really changed uh, as I got older. But yeah, so so Ghostbusters, I was just too young at the time to think about it from a filmmaking perspective. Right, yeah, me too with that one. But, uh, uh, but, but that's with, my that's my number four But pick. with uh, Back to the Future 2, it was, you know, I they had all that, you know, the, the flying, how do they make the car fly? And how, right. how are they getting this right. to the, the hoverboard to work? You know what I mean? It just, at, even at a young age, I was, I was asking those questions, so. Uh, so what do you have on deck for your third choice? Tim Burton's Batman, 1989. Okay. The th- Michael Keaton and It was on my Jack list, Nicholson. so I'm glad, I'm glad you took that and, one. And, uh, yeah, Kim Basinger, just, I mean, music with, by Prince and Danny Elfman. How do you, two geniuses in the same. I'm like, telling you, so man. so good. That soundtrack is just so good. Every song from the the score and the soundtrack is just phenomenal. Um, 
I had, and again, the pageantry of the practical effects. I just fell in love with it. It was, it was at the the end of the golden era of mats and perspective shooting and, um, using the, the miniatures, uh, that opening sequence flying the camera through the bat logo. Mm hmm is just it's phenomenal because like no. nowadays if you see that immediately i'm like okay well that was just cgi which is great i have nothing but against that CGI, wasn't CGI. Artists. but the approach that they took to to design something and fly the camera through light it move through with such finesse and grace and then to Beautiful. come out for that reveal because you really the first time you see that you kind of had an inkling of what was but they made it look like like tunnels yeah and and you were on this labyrinth and this path and then when it just revealed to that with that like you said, that Danny Elfman score and that that rise, it's just mm-hmm. like you knew you were in for something special. Yeah, and just the the beauty in the the production, you know, the, all the set pieces and the costumes, it just blew me away. And I saw that at the drive-in. Like my parents took us to drive in the old drive-in. It's not even there anymore. As like Michigan Avenue and Newburgh Road, where the Ford plant so is. You remember that, that old that one? Up. It's so funny that you bring that up. We'll come back to that. But yeah, dude, that movie was so good. Like the soundtrack with Prince and mm-hmm. like oh. So I, I have a I have a, a quick story about the the soundtrack. Um, I really liked the Prince soundtrack, and and I didn't uh, like growing up. My my music listening was um, heavily uh, surveillanced by uh, my my mother, um, so there was very little rock and roll. You know, I listened to whatever the parents listened to, this and that. And there was a right. point where I had some extra cash, and I wanted to buy a cassette that I wanted to listen to, and I remember loving the music in the Batman movie. So I I went to go buy it, hoping that it was the Prince. And uh, it was not. It was the Danny Elfman score. Okay. And while originally pissed, like being not what a, you were a, going for, but still being a, win. a middle schooler, yeah. and hoping to get this banging Prince. I, I, because here's what threw me off is on the back of that there is at, Prince's name is on the score because he uh, participated in one of the melodies. Yeah. That is then replicated in Danny Elf. And so because yeah. I saw Prince's name on there and I was a dumb shit and didn't know what I was doing, <laughs> I bought that motherfucker. And, but I, I fell in love with it. I started, I started falling asleep to it. And yeah, I mean, immediately yeah, knew Danny the Elfman's name Danny Elfman of course, forever, yeah. forever. Changed your life. Like, yeah. 100%. I, and I, I I'll be 100% honest in saying that I don't think I ever really paid attention to a score before then. I mean... Again, Star Wars fan. You throw that on, I'm gonna recognize right. it. But that was that was beat into me from repeat watching. Yeah. I didn't. I and didn't there's no actual the music I, on it. It's just the soundtrack. It's just. I mean, the I know score. that's music, but you know what I'm saying. It's, it's just, just the score. The whole listen, soundtrack's the score. There's I no listen to that soundtrack. Batman score so much that I can see the movie just by putting the music on. Right. It yeah, just for it, sure. It went through it. So uh, to tie. So uh, did you have anything else to, that you wanted to add to Batman? before i i go on to mine no not really i don't mean to cut you short we kind of no you didn't come in so, short i mean it's batman everybody if you haven't seen batman you're the problem yeah, okay there's 100%. so many batmans out there but if you haven't seen the original one like what are you doing with your life okay because i gotta say the newest one is probably my favorite one the batman yeah uh, me the too. batman with rob Patterson me too. is amazing i you know i'm, I'm I not gonna shit. get into all the other ones tim burton is my favorite batman michael keaton is batman okay yes. he will always, always be batman always but robert pattinson 
coming in a hard second, dude. It was it was mind blowing just the approach with the volume and stuff like using technology with practical effects. But what I loved about that movie, what I loved the most about that movie is it's the first time being a fan of the Batman animated series, which was a a a crime show for kids. It wasn't a superhero show. So you're referring he was the to detective. the Batman. Yeah. And the in, in the yes. movie, The Batman, he was a detective. He was solving the crime. It wasn't the just jumping in Gordon and beating people Gordon referred to him as detective. Right. I loved what they did with Batman Begins. I love that whole Christopher Nolan world. Um, I thought it was... It, yeah, Christian Bale killed it. Still not. like that's. It's lower on my totem pole. I agree. Um, so the drive-in that you mentioned that you saw that... Uh, I was actually there as well, seeing my next pick. Um, however, we, we went to that uh, throughout that whole summer. There was a few things we saw. Um, another movie that I'm wondering whether or not is going to end up on your list or not. So I'm very curious. But um, being the rebel that I was, we had a station wagon and my brother and I got the roof. And so we would maliciously turn around and try and watch Batman and right, nice. because everybody had their speakers out, yeah. you know, you could kind of hear it, but you really right. couldn't. But I mean, I wouldn't have got it anyways. I was just watching Batman, you know, beat people up. Yeah, just to watch um, it. But the drive-in had, had double features, right? Yes. So we went and saw uh, one movie that I that is not on my list and I didn't really care for. And that was Turner and Hooch. And it yeah. was it was the second feature to my first, my next pick. And that's Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Great movie, yeah. That was Honey that, I Shrunk the Kids a lot was a, kid a formative too, yeah. movie. It was, man, and the freaking production design on that. Yes, like, the giant oh. Cheerios. Like watching the movie, grass the first water time, slides, and, and oh. watching that in a drive-in. Which I, I, I recommend, listeners, if you have a drive-in in your area, to find a good day of weather and and go. I I, I genuinely invite you to pick. Uh, uh, your favorite type of movie that's coming out. If you're lucky enough, maybe they'll be playing some old stuff. The, the place around here does play just new releases. Yeah, but if, you're, seeing a if movie, you're anywhere near Metro Detroit, there's the Ford Wyoming Drive-In yeah. Theater. Uh, if you're anywhere in Central Florida, there's uh, the Silver Moon Drive-In Theater in uh, Lakeland, Polk County. And I used to live there for a while. That was an awesome drive-in. They did double features. Really killer pizza there, too. I watched so many, so many drive-in movies during COVID. I yeah. thought drive-ins were going to come the, back. With you and I went to two or three of them, but you were going like twice a week. I had to, man. I just meant, well, because they were playing, they were playing. Oh, look, did, did you see Carrie with me? Yeah, we went and saw Carrie and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street or what? Or was it Jason? It was, yes, because it was, it was, it was Friday the 13th and that played first and the sun hadn't completely set yet. So it was absolutely dog shit. shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Because most of that movie is still in the daytime with the camp and such. And yeah, it was absolutely fuckered. Yep. Um, but Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, uh, Rick Moranis, uh, who was also in Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, this was great. definitely a movie that after we saw it at the drive-in uh, was an own for us. And we played it on repeat. Rick Moranis plays a scientist. He invents a machine. I don't remember why he was doing this. I don't remember if he worked for a company or if he was just fucking around in the attic. But this giant gun that could shrink things. And he ends up shrinking his children to the He was just an inventor. An like, he had like a company that he kind of like worked under, but he 
yeah, he just stayed at home and built shit. Right? And something I forget how the how the kids end up small, but they end up in front of the gun. It goes off. He shrinks them down, and they get blown into the backyard. It's a whole adventure of uh, an older sister, her boyfriend. He ends up sweeping them into the, the garbage. Brother. He takes the garbage out, and they have to break out of the garbage bag, and they're all the way at the back of they, the yard. They they run away from ants. They get almost drowned in cereal. They're running from a lawnmower. That, I can't even remember all the this The ant stuff. helps them. One of the ants becomes their friend, and they like ride That's him around. Right. And he I remember he that. ends up sacrificing himself to the like. Was it a bee? They, there was or, or a, a scorpion fly. or something. Fly. Oh, there was There's a scorpion. I don't know. It's been a minute, but but all something of it, stings. All, the all of ant. that was done so well, and I imagine it's it has admittedly been some years um, since I've seen the movie, so I don't know how well yeah. the visual effects will play. But at the time, uh, they played very well. It was very believable. Um, to the mind's eye of a of a you know probably at that point ten or I think I put it on a year or a year and a half ago or something trying to get my kid to watch it mm-hmm. you know, she didn't care but I finished it because uh, yeah, yeah nostalgia is uh, hard too man. young for that particular for sure yeah but I'm always gonna try yeah like I did I put last week I put on Little Monsters because it was just there I was like oh this is and, and she, she watched just, it yeah, with sometimes me. She you just gotta do it, it. Uh, so we've each got thing, uh, but... two more picks left are you ready to make another pick there Joe. Oh yeah, what do I what do I got next here? So, this this is a good one. Big Trouble in Little China, nineteen eighty six. Oh wow! John Carpenter, featuring Kurt Russell, Dennis Dunn, Victor Wong, James Hong, Kim Cattrall. When she was cute. And the, the other green eyed, lady was Susie Pei. She was awesome. She didn't have any lines, though. She's Chinese. Only spoke Chinese, I think. Yeah, great movie, man. I just, again, so, like, I took a lot of, of martial arts as a young man, right? That was mm-hmm. uh, that was my after-school activity I was allowed to do. So I was really big into anything that had, like, martial arts in it. Like, that was, a, like, Batman had all that cool stuff, but it also had kick and butt, right? So that's, my dad was all about any kind of action movie, and if it had martial arts into it i was into it and then you know if it, i was big into like i don't want to say science fiction but like the fantasy realms you know yeah as a young kid i liked fantasy stuff like so like this one had like the, the kung fu masters like the you know the three special so- sorcerers of like lightning thunder and and wind or water or whatever the three of them were right yeah, and I just I, I don't know. John Carpenter's amazing. He's always been good, but a that legend. one that one hit me young. You know what I mean? So I was not young when I first saw that movie. Um, I'm trying to. I recall. was four when it came out. So I'm, and my dad had it on VHS. I'm sure I watched it my whole life and didn't even realize. You know, I I gotta say I was probably well into adulthood. Like it, I think it That's was a, a shame. yeah. I think it was a coworker of mine. Um, well, I mean, like, so, you know, here's something that the listeners, you, you're going to catch on to. Um, I, I, I'm behind on a lot of movies. There are definitely a lot of movies that you're like, oh, my God, you haven't seen. And for the longest time, I, I felt like bad about it. But the reason is because, you know, the, the household that I grew up in, I had access to what I had access to. And it didn't include a lot of the big. Um, it didn't include a lot of the big action movies or adult heavy movies from the 80s and the 90s and so forth yeah i'm st- i'm still shocked 
regularly by like what you haven't seen because we talk about movies all the time but like this just year just a couple months ago oh actually it was the end of last year because it's now 2023 but it's like november you had never seen poltergeist the original poltergeist yeah and you you just watched that like and that that's just one to to name a feel like you hadn't seen not Jaws, right? Or what I was, still have not seen Jaws. Yeah, you still, Jaws and like what's another? But one? I, so like Jaws is There's a hard several one because we I watched this year. I don't last rush year out just to because. see something like Jaws because you know the lore is already there. I've seen enough documentaries or TV shows that cover the making ofs or the best of lists or the greatest directors and all this. So it's like all of the the shock value of Jaws. Um, has more or less been stolen from me. I'm not saying that that having my first experience isn't going to still be a good experience. Right. You know, I, I actually look forward to seeing earlier Spielberg. Um, however, a lot of the mysticism, I think, is is stricken from me. And so that just, when it comes on, I'm like, it'll always be there. I don't need to watch it today. Yeah, sure, I can see that. But, you know, you it's still like... Whatever you know about it, you don't know the movie from your own eyes. Well, you know I mean, mean for your opinion, I think. To add to that point, I had also not seen When Harry Met Sally. And a mutual friend of ours had said that he had just seen it, younger guy. And he was like, I really recommend yeah, Quinn. it. Yeah, Quinn. I said, uh, I've not seen that. And I've avoided it because, like, I don't really oh, just care. Just another for... rom com. It's yeah. not, though. And it was, it was fucking amazing. Stop listening to other people. St- Go in open-minded, and you might find something you like. Dude, When Harry Met Sally was far more enjoyable than I had any idea it would be. And that was definitely so one of the movies that I thought the mysticism was stolen. Yes. Because of, yeah, yes. that one fucking scene. But, like, <laughs> it's so good. Up until actually watching the movie, I had no fucking clue what the movie was about. I mean, yes, it's when Harry met Sally. Like, yeah, it, that, that two is, friends but, that kind of never hit the right mark. Right, the plot that genuinely occurs to that is fucking fabulous. Their performance together is amazing. Um, I guess it's, uh, that's for another list. We're, we're tangenting. So, um, Regardless. Did you, did you have anything else that you want to say about Big Trouble in Little China? I love Big Trouble in Little China. I mean, I love the kung fu aspect. I love the fantasy I love, aspect. I, I love the the world under a world still operating like the ancient. Hands down, one of my favorite John Carpenters. Um, yes, he has great movies. Yes, that's probably not his best. But what no, I like about not, it is like, the world that he builds here, in budget there. twenty five million box office eleven point one. That's a flop, buddy. Right. But no, cult classic, dude. I one of my favorite Carpenter movies of all time. I just, I, I love it to death. Yeah, absolutely. Ultimate repeat. I, if somebody says, let's watch Big Trouble in Little China, you're getting a yup, like an excited <laughs> hell yeah from me every time. Yeah, we we, uh, we showed somebody, I don't remember who it was, but we watched Big Trouble in Little China with somebody this year uh, for a first time. And, and you know, I, I shut up. I'm going to watch this whole thing. Yep. You know, um, the the bait, what is it? The, the Pig Express? The Pork Chop Express. Pork Chop Express. <laughs> he's on the CB. Let old Jack Burton tell you something. <laughs> well, you're um, riding with the Pork Chop Express. So that leaves you with one more pick. I've got I've got uh, two here. Um, this is this is getting hard for me because um, I do have some on the list here, and I, I definitely can see some that are coming off. Um, I think. <sighs> So I think I'm going to have to go with... I mean, we were doing top top five. I, we both did a list of about ten, but we can, you know, we can we can just do the five because you got two more and then I got one more, right? Um, so uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. 
Nightmare Before Christmas. Great movie. Nightmare Before yeah. Christmas. Um, I didn't see that when it first came out. I saw it a couple years later, so I was probably like in like, like another eighth one or ninth grade, that was so. fed to me through Disney Adventures magazine. So right. I got to see the behind the scenes stills of all the different Jack faces, them walking on the sets, the eighteen foot by twenty foot yeah, risen so sets, weird. you know, and and seeing the stills of them do the stop motion. So that. Right. That movie was, uh, I mean, it was a great movie, yeah, right? So it, it turned out to be a fabulous movie that I watched yearly, but a spectacle and something is, that yeah. I had I had no idea. Had I, had I watched that movie and not seen the behind-the-scenes paperwork that I had seen, mm-hmm. it probably would have gone underappreciated because, you know, growing up on Sesame Street, you've seen right. a lot of that style of thing Stop before. Stop motion and stuff, yeah. Right? But never really appreciated that depth, though, yeah. You just, mind-blowing. Yeah. Absolutely mind-blowing. So, yeah, that's, that's my... 16th scale, like, it was... These were big models. Yeah. You know? Yeah. People had to crawl under them, take a piece out. Like, oh, man. Yeah, so cool. Um... I mean that that that's one that's still on repeat to this day. Like my daughter loves that movie. We watch it for Halloween, Christmas, and Easter. You know, like all, every holiday, it, cross, it, it has crosses, a door. It crosses seasons for sure. Yeah. I genuinely, for me, it's a Thanksgiving movie. You know, somewhere that, between yeah. Halloween that, and Christmas. There's a door like for it's that. Like a transition <laughs> that has the turkey door. Um, but the music is amazing. Another Danny Elfman win. Yeah. Um, the. Uh, as we said, the, the visuals and the story, like it was, it was a genuinely fascinating story. Again, really another was. deep dive for children without placating. And it was an unorthodox tale when money wasn't really being spent on those kinds of views yet. You know what right. I mean? The the non typical, uh, not so uh, waspy Christian, you know. White Anglo-Saxon right. Protestant Christian. And if I remember correctly, the movie was released somewhere in the fall, so it wasn't quite. I think right. it was post Halloween. Yeah, it was a to... holiday movie, but it wasn't like the Christmas movie. Right, but yeah. there was definitely a ramp up marketing period where they were able to sell the crap. I mean, they still sell the crap out of that. Um, yeah, well, IP. I mean, that was technically like a Tim Burton owned all that. Like, right. you know what so I mean? he, he just recently, he was a couple years ago, maybe the, a decade ago, sold it to Disney. Like that, the full was, rights was, for merchandise. But it was Disney produced. Yeah. You know, they were always under it. And he was a he was a producer, so his um, he artistic out, touch yeah. was there. But, you know, he, he sold out his shares for a bunch of money to Disney. I mean, you know. Oh, I mean, good for him. You know what I mean? He's... He, it was for this whole contract. That's how he got the Alice in Wonderland stuff going. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, because he's had a relationship with Disney for a long. He was a yeah. Disney animator. Yeah, he's, well before. Yeah, he's been um, in that family for a long time. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, uh, we're probably going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and finish off our uh, last choice, and then uh, Joe and I are going to kind of go into a little bit of uh, further conversation at the end of this episode. We'll we'll randomly pick one of the movies that we've discussed tonight to watch and uh reabsorb and pontificate like we know some things on next week's episode and figure out what we're going to discuss next week so i'm very excited list. to hear yeah. what your uh number one or last pick rather numbers yeah. it's going to be uh but uh so we'll be we'll be right back popping fresh tabs all right so we are going to finish up our list we've each got one pick left 
before we do that, we're going to go back over uh, the movies that we've already picked. Uh, again, the list that we picked tonight <clears throat> were movies that uh, inspired us uh, in some way uh, in our early life to really fall in love with film and uh, in one way or another even possibly um, push us towards working in the film industry um, as, a, as a career choice. For Joe, some how crazy do you feel? reason. How do you feel Only about... Only insane people will work in this industry. <laughs> how do you feel about the list so far? I feel good about it. Like, because, like, it took me a while to cultivate this for myself. And then, right. like, the choices you made even took me back to a place that I looked over in my childhood. Right. Like, trying and to reminisce. Really, uh, I still couldn't hit every corner. Right? I'm, I'm happy for that. Um, so on like, a break, we kind of we kind of spoke that really Batman was the only crossover. And, and we kind of both knew... It was going to be on there, and it just like I knew there was going to be some some crossover, but I'm surprised like we didn't hit any. I'm I'm still so I have I have a prediction to what I think your last one's going to be, but I'm not going to mention it. We'll see. We'll Well, see where it's so. My my first four were was uh, Little Monsters, Back to the Future Two, Batman, the original, and Big Trouble in Little China. And I brought to the table the Rocketeer. Ghostbusters, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and Nightmare Before Christmas. All great movies. I I agree. And and being that... I uh, will admit, know, I was leaning more towards the, like, not the blockbusters. Right. Because I did have more on my list, and as you did too. So before we go on to, like, reveal our final that actually made the list... You want to do the honorable mentions? Yeah. Honorable I, mentions, so here's maybe. the thing. I would say I, I do, do want to do that. Okay. Yes. So uh, just as a reminder, the movies that we are discussing tonight are going to go into a randomizer. Uh, I'm going to um, randomly throw some numbers on these. and I'm going to have Joe pick a number one through ten. And he is going to then determine what movie we're going to watch to refresh ourselves and discuss on our next episode. Um so that's the reminder that, that we've got one more to add on here, but all of these uh, are in there. And, and I'm actually really excited for any one of these to revisit. So I'm, while I still don't know what your next pick is, I'm still not certain what I'm picking for my next pick. Um, so I'm happy. Oh, that you that's got why you first. don't want to do the reveal yet. Um, you right. Sly dog. Right. Right. Uh, uh, but then also, you know, we're going to do this after uh, we'll, we'll do the. the I, I just want to point out, like, I, I have a list of 10 as well. As, as Brad does, I have, I am solid on the five I'm announcing, <laughs> and I'm ready to like show you the ones that I didn't announce. But, but he's still like on the fence of which one he's going to talk well, about. It's between you two. non-committal it's son of a bitch. It's between two. It's between two. <laughs> just and it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it is a very difficult choice. Out. But, but, um, so we'll reveal. We'll we'll determine what our movie to watch is at the end of this episode. Um, after we reveal our final picks here, uh, Joe and I are going to kind of openly discuss. Uh, we've got some questions prepared to ask each other, um, just to kind of uh, give you the listeners a kind of a, a, a taste, a feeling for what we kind of like uh, in movies or or what um, turns our wheels or or gets us excited. So, um, Joe, uh, why don't you go ahead since you're so goddamn confident. And give us your final pick for the Wait, evening. I'm confident about what? Okay. Yeah, I am confident. I'll take it. Take the compliment. My So my number five is uh, Surf Ninjas. Oh, that is not what I thought you'd pick. Surf and you brought Ninjas. it up several times. I should have seen it coming. In this movie, I'm telling you, 1993, 
on no streaming services, bro. Like, you can maybe find it on YouTube if somebody's uploaded it between the so, deletes. I, so like, here's my... You can only buy this thing. Here's dude. my thought you on it. only buy the it. distribution expired on it. D- sure, but you can buy it for D- on DVD or VHS. It's like it's like nine, ten bucks on DVD. Looking at it right now on Amazon... Sixty nine ninety eight for a VHS, VHS copy. Is that, is that a brand new or is that a used copy? I, you know, I don't. I'm not. I didn't really delve that far. Okay, so you can get a used one for six bucks, but those are out of stock. Yeah, well, that's out of stock. So somebody who. But they, here's the thing. Yeah, so you got one in do the you packaging. Want, do you want to risk a six dollar VHS that's used? You know, you're gonna you're gonna. Well, it's out of stock. You can't even risk it. <laughs> listen, if if you have a working a VCR. You can't replace it. You can't fix it. And if you stick a bomb, let's say you have a, a working VHS. Let's say into... you have a working VHS. <laughs> now you no longer have a working VHS. This, what this I'm is saying. what you're getting at. This yeah. is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, well, okay, so remind, me, remind 20th, me again the, the plot of Surf Ninjas. That, that was okay. the one with the three brothers, right? Yeah, it's uh, two brothers. Brothers Johnny and Adam. Uh, older brother played by. Ernie Reyes Jr., who's oh, amazing. Oh, wait a minute. We just watched this one a couple years I ago. I had you watch it about a year, Yep. No, I had ago. seen that yeah. as a kid. I, I had definitely uh, Was Seth Green in it? No, it was um, Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. And he's 30, and he's playing like a like a 16-year-old, 15, you as, know what I mean? Like, as you do in Hollywood. Right, and he's they have him as a ginger, like he's a redhead. It's the craziest. And, okay. That's why I thought it was Seth Green. And the villain, Colonel Chi... Is Leslie Nielsen, bro? Oh my God! Leslie, so you got to like this movie is like think like everybody remembers like all those like Karate Kid and Three Ninjas and all these. Remember like the oh yeah the oh, late eighties, yeah. early nineties. There was side there's yeah Chuck Norris and the blonde kid, but there was so many of these like ninja movies for kids, right? So like mm-hmm. it, this one was like the lowest. Like on the totem pole, we definitely to, rented. To that extent. was definitely but a weekend rental for us. Like for me, it was, it was like the Karate Kid meets Airplane or Naked Gun. You know what I mean? It had well, that Hot Shots part. So if that if, Hot Shots kind of slapstick humor to it, because the Leslie Nielsen thing. Man. So far, it is. I've mentioned several times tonight how we we've kind of skirted the 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 placating of children. This one kind of placates to the audience, but in a way that is like it's. It's self-aware. It's PG. It's right. not even it's PG thirteen. It's it's for basically like teenagers and adults. But I mean, this was a comedy, a family comedy for the whole family. Right. Bro. Like right. Desi Nielsen's "Oh, Bob the Bar Human." Some of it doesn't age well. Like one of the gags is like he has a phone in his dungeon layer that's all the way over like by Ooh. his like relaxation <laughs> like where he hangs classic, out and he's never there when he's torturing so he has to run across the, and then there's the answering machine which of course is set to answer on one ring instead of three okay and in the message he's like and don't hang up and then he gets to the phone right and they've always, yeah, they've hung, always up. hung up yeah it, there's no answering machines anymore voicemail whatever but like who calls people? It just didn't age well, but it's still funny if like you have the nostalgia of that era, even if you didn't see that movie in that era, you'll laugh at the answering machine if you ever owned one. You know what I mean? But in order for if you've not seen it, in order for you to see it, what you're saying is you've got to get it off of Amazon. Or find it on YouTube and hopefully you somebody's reposted it. That's crazy. It. But like I'm telling you, like every time I do, like the it was filmed on film and like it doesn't 
it hasn't been like redigitized. No, it's just it's not worth when you're watching it streaming it on YouTube. Yeah, like, it's not worth the, the company quality is buying horrible. The, right, buying the masters to to put that out. It's just you're not going to get a I would buy the DVD of like, Surf Ninjas. Like I would buy the DVD. <clears throat> I still own a DVD player. Yeah, call me. You know, throwback. Tom, All right, so whatever. I've been I've been tossing back and forth. Surf ninjas for my last pick between two movies, and I think I've landed on a decision. It's a tough decision because I do love these movies equally, but um, I think one is probably. Um, you're still torn. You got to pick no, one. I, I, gonna, I we can talk about the next it's, one later. It's the never-ending story. Almost made my list. And I was like, I, I, th- I felt like I Brad's going to pick this one. The never-ending story. Um, it's just, I mean, you want to talk about a fantastic world. It's definitely not, um, there's a cheesiness to it, right? Like, you definitely yeah. see, like, you feel like and you're And there's a reason set. it didn't make my list. Because, like, I loved that movie, but my sister watched it more than I did. Mm-hmm. So, like, I watched it with her, but I wasn't the one who, like, I wouldn't have picked that one first. Right. Like, we also had Legend. I would okay. have picked that, and I over, love Legend, but I couldn't put it on this list because I didn't. I see can't it put until it over Neverending Story now, but as a kid, I would have. Okay, just because it had Tim Curry as I the love, devil in it. I love as a kid you know, that was so it was, provocative um, to me. It was one of those movies that played like it was supposed to, like a fairy tale. Like it was a it was a rainy day. You're sick at home. Yeah. You throw on the Neverending Story. Yeah, it's got some sad parts, but uh, overall, as far as uh, the movie goes, for me, I was always excited about the set pieces, the Rock Man, yeah, the and the like, Dragon Dog. Labyrinth was real close too, but again, like that was like my girl cousins or my right. sister putting it on. Not that mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy it. But it wasn't me picking it out, so I couldn't really call that. Like, I would be like Beetlejuice and get outvoted. You know what I mean? Right. And honestly, I didn't, <coughs> that was one of those movies that was not permitted in my viewing time. So, Beetlejuice, I had to see much later. Um, so, the, the final, the final 10 movies um, for uh, our determination. These are all potential movies that we're going to see uh, one by our next episode. I chose this evening The Rocketeer, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Ghostbusters, Nightmare Before Christmas, and I topped it off with the never-ending story. Joe, what did you pick this evening? We're going over them again. Okay. Yeah. Little Monsters, Back to the Future 2, Batman, Big Trouble in Little China, and Surf Ninjas. So I'm writing these down. Joe, um, <clears throat> why don't you, you tee off uh, the rest of the conversation while I make uh, the last of my notes here? The rest of the conversation, are we we're gonna start the? We're not gonna do like our our sub our subsequent no, we're gonna misses come back to that. list. We're gonna come back. Yeah, to we're that. gonna come back to that. We're gonna hang. We're gonna hang on to that. Okay. Um, for our when we pick uh our, the movie we're gonna watch next week. All right, boss man. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's gotta lead this ship. All right. So we got a couple questions up here. I guess. Well, I I would like to like, I would like to top into like what's the this is kind of. It's very opinionated, I would think. It was the best decade for, for indie film. The best Which, decade for indie like, film. Like, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and answer that while, while you're writing your thing, because for me, it would it would have to be like the '90s, right? Because that's when there were like every studio was taking a chance on ideas that weren't from like Solid Pathways, right? Like that, that's how we have our Kevin Smiths and our Joda Patows, and you know. Like, that's how we got, like, Tank Girl and SLC Punk and 
um, uh, Ben Stiller, you know, uh, uh, reality, with, bites. reality bites and all, all these, you know what I mean? Like sure. Ben Stiller had more connections than most people did with his dad as Jerry Stiller, but it's, he still was able to do it on his own because they were taking risks with the young filmmakers. There was a genuine, in a way when it was still the film, Era. Yeah, there was a genuine renaissance in, right where you're talking about. And I, I believe that that would have been my answer as well. Um, so you have you had your early renaissance. You had your Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, uh, Francis Ford Coppola, uh, a whole slew the late of, 70s through a whole the 80s. Slew of, yeah. of guys who came from that same school uh, in L.A. there. Um, and they wanted they wanted to branch away from the Hollywood system. Well, s- uh, the second renaissance really came right there in that, that early 90s, 92, 93. Yeah. Uh, it started with, I believe it was like Sex, uh, uh, Sex Lies and Videotape by Steven Soderbergh yeah, taking Sundance and, and uh, you know, it lifted and, and it really opened up. But then you had Robert Rodriguez come out and do his small time stuff. You yeah. had uh, Quentin Tarantino True pushing out and... uh, Reservoir Dogs. You had... Um, uh, God, who was uh, uh, Clerks? Yeah, Kevin Smith. You know, so there was just this this huge, and and it did. It climbed for almost an entire decade, uh, really changing the approach of of how masterful stories can be told with such a a low budget. That that was really like swingers, sure, sure, yes, swingers and all that. But and that was really the birth of the like the comic book or graphic novel movie. Sure, we had like Spider Man, like. Superman and Batman, right from the eighties, and there was like a cheap Spider-Man movie and like the cheapo Captain America, but like no big box office movies other than S- Superman and Batman that were, and then you start having all these obscure comics that aren't even like big name comics. Like somebody wants to make this. Like Tank Girl was huge for me. Okay. Like it was a big with, uh, mm-hmm. with Laura Lilly. Like that was like, because that was one of the those post-apocalyptic like punk type pa, 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 pow. yeah i i, I just loved i that like Lori petty of, you know I, I still have a mohawk I, yeah this has been a huge influence on my life is this this, this so subculture how do of, you feel that the indie film now compares to the indie film of the era what do you, what do you think is different between them the fact that like now it's great that anybody can go out and make a movie of some caliber that's watchable on multiple like avenues to connect with their their audience but Mm -hmm. this is like they had real studio money behind them and they were nobody Mm -hmm. but they were like okay they've they if you knew how to pitch and who to pitch to and like you know great like yeah that's a hard thing to figure out on its own sure Mm -hmm. but the channels weren't as vast as they are now like there was like you go to the library and get a book on casting agents. And I shit. I genuinely believe that one of the reasons that movement in the 90s <clears throat> lifted the way it did was because Hollywood had run out of genuine stories to tell and right. those films they they all that that was their yeah, and key. I, I their, can't argue with that. That was their, their key. Peak. It wasn't they had like, to they get... weren't all great cinematically. They weren't no. all shot well. Some of them were. But this is how we got movies like The Crow and yeah, um, you know yeah, I think there was a lot more money involved. That I mean, I don't I don't know what the budget was, but I think it was far less independent than something like Sex Lies and Videotape. Sure, um, yeah, or even you know possibly Donnie Darko. Oh, that's uh, now you're jumping. Uh, that that was two thousands. That's not, was it? That's not nineties. Yeah, that that, feels I, so I, 90s I would think to me. so. I'm, you know, 
takes time to Google it, I guess. But um, so let me ask you, Joe. Yeah, Donnie Darko, two thousand one. Two thousand and one. So it doesn't fit the nineties in the, but it's it's obviously a direct result of that movement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of alluded to this earlier, and so I, I kind of want to draw out the story a little. Before bit we more. move on to that, I wanted to pontificate a little bit on uh, something that you said made me think of at the end here. Oh, um, okay. Uh, how I forget exactly what you said, but. You know, I lost it. Ask me the question. <laughs> well, we'll come back to that if it, if if it, it hits me. You yeah, just jump no, in. It was right there. Uh, you had mentioned earlier about um, an experience you had watching The Evil Dead. Um, so I, I wanted to know what your first horror movie experience was. And okay. If that like my fact, actual first horror movie experience. Like, I got to say, like, Evil Dead was probably not, like, my first actual horror movie. But, like... The way it happened and the way it went out, like my my uncle Gary is a cool dude. He's in, he's into photography and he loves film and he's just a, a creative guy, right? He's he's interesting. And we were visiting them in Virginia and he I was sleeping in the basement, which is like his office. And there's a nice pull out bed there and he had this little Betamax and he's like, You watch this, right? And I just it blew my mind. Like I watched it over and over, the first original Evil Dead, yeah. And, like, he told me, like, about it before I played it and hyped it up for me. I had never heard of it, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I I knew about, like, Freddy Krueger and Jason and Mike Myers and stuff. And I Had you seen any of them? I had not, because my parents... Yeah, mine either. They weren't really allowed. Like, I had snuck and kind of seen pieces of it, but, like, Beetlejuice was the scariest thing I'd Sure. You know? And, And I love Beetlejuice, don't get me wrong, but that... Like, there was no way, like, if I was going to watch a horror movie, Evil Dead was going to be the one where there's, like, plants. And you were about and, like, how old? I was 12. So, so, and that's why I kept it to 93, because it was 1994. I was on a family <laughs> vacation for Thanksgiving, I believe. And Uncle Gary was like, you have to watch this movie. And, yeah. So, the first, the first, I, I was, Fell I was. in love with horror and for, for someone who is now presently a, a, a very heavy horror fan like I, I love horror movies um i was a, a real chicken shit growing yeah. up um i remember uh one of my first viewings of the wizard of oz when the witch came on i i screamed and ran to my bedroom but that was three or four years old i mean like legit tears i cried. was gullible as shit i didn't but i was on shake i didn't do life. well when i was a toddler i didn't do well at halloween um but i was at a friend so so i'd always had this this fear that i i just couldn't handle it you know uh, yeah. Mom wouldn't let you watch it, so it must be fucking horrendous. If mom says no, I must not. Ca- so I caught a. You clip. just can't hang. I don't, I'll never be able to know which which Freddy movie it was because it's twisted as a child, and so my memory of it is probably not that great. But it was a it was a night one of the Nightmare on Elm Streets I had yeah. caught on television, flipping through. So you know what well, couldn't have been that bad. It was on. We didn't. We had basic TV. Yeah. So it was on. 20 or 50 or you know saturday afternoon right so all all the best was edited out anyway out. Yeah. and yeah and i freaked but so for me my you actual freaked at the edited version i well i freaked in the sense like oh my god it's on i don't want to see something that's oh, gonna okay you, you were know, just like oh this is on regular me. tv it's gonna scar me yeah this. Yeah, right. this is not what i'm supposed to be seeing um so <clears throat> i think my first true full feature horror movie that i ever saw and i don't know if you'd call it a horror movie um, I, I've not seen it since a child. 
Um, but it was definitely a horror movie to me. And it's a movie called A Fire in the Sky, which is quote Fire unquote based on a true story about a. Um, I can't say that. It's an alien movie. And a guy was. This is based on a, an actual story. So whether or not it actually happened or whatever. I was 11 or 12 years old, so it said, was it, based on a real fucking story, he was kidnapped, and you saw him, like, he. I remember him, uh, this, alien this main character, movie? up into, yeah, did the, the whole testing thing. And this came he was out, in a it was pod. new when you saw it? Yes, I don't know why my mom showed it to me. We How watched have I not it. Here's heard the of this? Can we put that on the list? Like, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to put We're it on a different number list. 11. Yep. Um, and, but it was a double feature that night, and this is another movie that is definitely not a horror movie. Oh, this scared, is at that drive-in. <laughs> scared the bejesus. This was not. This was actually at home, and I don't know why we double, double featured. Double feature at home. I don't know why, because it was a, it was a fire in the sky, and I think my mom must have believed it must have been true and wanted to teach us about strangers and, and kidnapping, but this grown-ass man Maybe gets kidnapped. Maybe she thought it was about Jesus. The second movie was Mississippi Burning, and I had nightmares about <laughs> men tying me to a chair and cutting my fucking nuts off. For, I mean, I was too young to understand the KKK. So you I, I Mississippi burning bro, at eleven years bro. old, and I've Ooh. I've never I've never seen it since. I can't tell you if that was a good movie or not because it scarred the shit out of me. My brother and I shared a room in the basement with one of those little windows, and every time a shadow came over, I thought it was a pillow head man coming to cut my fucking nuts off. Samuel Jackson at his best. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so what do you think, Joe? You think you want to uh, pick one of these here movies and uh, determine what we're going to be watching? Um, so I, I just pick a number one through so ten. So I have numbers. You've so this is what I've done. I've, I've got our, all the picks for this evening uh, labeled uh, randomly one through nine, uh, one through ten, and you're going to pick um, a number one through ten. Uh, Before you do that. We're going to run through the like list you, one more like time. You got the, like you got the, the list is stacked against me. It is not. It is absolutely. I 100% did it. First off, I, you, you have, wrote them down in a random order and numbered them randomly. Yes, that's correct. Because I was not fast enough to write them down this whole time. So these have not been written in any sort of particular order. <laughs> so <laughs> these are the 10 movies that uh, we are possibly going to watch uh, this week. They are Little Monsters, The Rocketeer. Big Trouble in Little China, Batman, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Ghostbusters, Back to the Future 2, Nightmare Before Christmas, Surf Ninjas, and The NeverEnding Story. And I assure you, Joe, the order in which I read them in has no relation to the number that is sitting next to them. <laughs> okay. You can see it afterwards. You'll see it's absolute no, I randomness. You. I so you. Because I will to, check that shit. You will need to pick a number, 1, one through 10. 10. Hmm. While Joe well, is, I, I know which one. If I don't get, I'm watching anyway, which is Surf yeah. Ninjas, because <laughs> I love Surf Ninjas. It's Leslie Nielsen at his finest. And and to be clear, like the worse he is, the finer he is, because it's Leslie. That's Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, that's what you it's what you so want from God. Leslie Nielsen. If you have not seen this movie, find it on YouTube. I'm telling you, Surf Ninjas. Anyway, they're all good. They're all great movies. Uh, I'm gonna go with seven because that's a gonna go with a seven. good hot seven. Yeah, it's a good fair number. You're gonna like you're gonna like this you're gonna like this result. So number seven is Little Monsters. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I own that on Blu-ray actually. You do. I do. You do. So we'll be able to go right back to the and office. on Amazon Prime, so we could watch it. Um, I just watched it. Two had weeks you ago chose, with my, my had you daughter. chose number six, we'd be watching Surf Ninjas. I almost want eight. What's eight would have given us. 
Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay, well, I mean, I'm just, I'll be honest. I've probably, seen that of all of them, so recent, so much. So I'm, I'm gonna hand you the list. You can see. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. I let's, really, really, I just let's just let's just watch Big Trouble in Little China again. Like, I mean, you know, I we're always going to. I think we're on it two two times a year with that, anyways. Okay, so, so Little Joe, Monsters we'll be talking about. We will be talking episode. about Little Monsters yeah. next week. We're gonna well next week watch is with, the Super Bowl. I think we can get an episode in now. We'll see. We'll see. If but we episode can get it two in before the the next the time Super Bowl, you, you know? hear our voices, we will be talking about Little Some Monsters, um, and we will be picking. Um, Another topic. Joe, do you happen to have off the top of your head, I, I hate to put you on the spot here, but I feel like you probably had something swirling around, uh, a topic that you want to uh, throw out as a suggestion for next week as, as far as what we um, discuss, discuss after the movie? Yes. What, what or, list do you oh, want to... Oh, to make a list. Yeah, yeah. to do the list because we got to talk about the movie and do our little list thing here. So we'll have to... I did have something. I've got several ideas, but what was... No, what was the one? Oh, think it? on it while you're thinking on it yeah. um, I'm going to talk about a couple of the movies that I had on my list um, since you started us off tonight I'll just do our, my, my, my honorable mentions I had The Sandlot as an honorable mention um, The Sandlot definitely made a big impression on me growing up I do think that's another um, child uh, I keep saying child movie but kids movie that had a genuine script it had great performances, and um, I think it's it's one of those mainstays. I don't know if it's a movie that holds up. I don't know if if the uh, what was it? Sorry, I was line. reading Sandlight. Oh yeah, classic. Yes, yeah, uh, so James good. Earl Jones. James Earl Jones. Right. I mean, just so just just everybody. Um, I did have you're killing me smalls. You're killing me smalls. How can I have more if I've never had a first? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's um, I did have movie. I did have swingers on um, as we talked a little bit earlier. Um, you know, I was okay, but that's uh, not I was real high childhood. school. That's I was high school, adolescence. Still. Right, so that's why that didn't that. make it. The Dark Crystal was the one that I was flip flopping on Dark my last. Crystal. So it was okay. it was between the Dark Crystal see, and no, the Never I didn't Story. see that until I was like twenty eight. I so and here's why the Never Ending Story went over Dark Crystal because I enjoyed the Dark Crystal, but it was dark. And as I mentioned, yeah. I was a little bit of a sissy, and that's a bit on the creepy side. It so is. I would probably only watch it once every few for, for a years, young kid, that's pretty, as opposed yeah. to the Neverending Story, which I would watch frequently. It is, it is, it's, it's kind of a mundane kind of like dreary, not mundane, dreary kind of story. Mm-hmm. Like even, like even as an adult, like, it's as not a, something as a, you can watch. Like, all yeah, the time. if you're a happy kid, you're gonna like turn away from that. You're gonna like, oh, right. a, a yellow bus driving you, down it, the you street have to is be brighter, in a so. specific kind of mood to watch the Dark Crystal. All right. So, did you I, remember what you were saying? I had one, I did have one more. My last, you have one more? my last okay. honorable mention um, is one that uh, you know definitely couldn't have made this list, uh, but I had I have to at least give it the honor because it, it I did watch the shit out of it and it is Top Gun. Top Gun. Okay. I mean, poo poo it now. I never but when watched I was a kid, it's a good movie. I didn't watch the shit out of it. Yeah, when like, I was a kid, not... I, I definitely wanted to fly fighter jets and be as cool as Tom Cruise. I had. Again, I loved the the martial arts. So three ninjas. Oh man! And I never had. I, the, the game I didn't gear. have any I brothers. Wanted a game I have gear one so younger sister. When so. he was fighting the bad guys with that fucking Game Gear. Oh well, that's that's Surf Ninjas. Was that Surf Ninjas? That, yeah, we had the Sega Game Gear. Yeah, that's, yeah, and he's okay. playing that. Yeah, because okay. he's a vis- like the younger's the older brother's a warrior and the younger brother's like a seer, a visionary. Three Ninjas was like 
There were the sequels three brothers, to that, weren't there? Yeah, several of them that were all like home releases. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I've watched a couple of them. They're not, not. They just get cheesier and cheesier. Yeah. And this was, you know, Three Ninjas was a a cheesy kids movie, but it had the martial being, arts. And, yeah, you know, it was like, kids kicking like, ass. Yeah, because his dad worked for the feds and they rescued his mom. <laughs> and like, it, it, it's it's stupid. Well, it's like Spy Kids. Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, but for our generation, yeah. right before there was that. Then I had um, Encino Man. Oh my god! Somebody Encino bought me that for Man. Christmas. Uh, so oh, so I that had was that a rental VHS. for us. I had I had it on VHS. Somebody got it me for Christmas. My dad or my aunt or yep, uncle I definitely or enjoyed it, but it was so not was a like, formative movie for me. I mean, yes, it was a Pauly Shore movie, mm-hmm. but it also had, I I was a, I'm a huge Brandon Fraser fan. Oh yeah, of course. Fraser, not Fraser. Brandon yeah. Fraser. You're is, welcome, buddy. It is Brandon though. Yeah, yeah. Brandon Fraser. Fucking love him. And like that was the first. You know, that was his breakout. So it was him and Sean Astin and yeah, Pauly Shore, whatever. But, but I, you know, he was, like, huge at the time. Paul Shore was in, like, all sorts of big movies. He had, like, Son-in-Law and uh, what's yeah. the other one? Biodome, Biodome. In the Army Now or whatever. Oh, my God, In the Army Now. I'm sure there were more. Yeah, he was pumping but, them for a minute. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. it, it, and no hate, you know what I mean? No. Like he, he was a, good, but Encino Man was a different kind of... A goofy movie? Yeah. But, yeah, great. He was in that one, too. With the lean and tower. Great practical style. effects, you know? The Leaning Tower of Cheese, the Goofy movie. Yeah, that's what I was saying. That was a great one. Yeah. yeah. So, so what uh, else you got on there? The Burbs. So that was the movie. That was a huge. That was that was another one of the movies we saw at the drive-in, and I did yes. not get it as a kid, so I couldn't put it on my formative list. But I, as an adult, I didn't going back get and it watching the it, the way I get it now, but I loved movie. it as a kid, like the like cold, like because you know it just went over my head. Yeah, it just went over my head. So is that your list? No, I got two more. Oh, okay. Like, uh, you, the you, Burbs just like Tom Hanks' character in The Burbs kind of reminded me of my dad. Yeah, I'm surprised you know I didn't I mean? get any Tom Hanks. Very on practical me. and yeah, so that it was relatable because I felt like I like I felt like his son in a way. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. there was the older guy down the road that reminded me of Corey Feldman in my neighborhood. You know what I mean? So it was just all, like <laughs> Bruce like Dern. we had we had a pool growing up. So this was like he was the guy who would like come over like well, you guys open in your pool. Can I come get the toads out? You know what I mean? <laughs> like he was always we had a neighbor like that like too. his parents were never home. Yeah, Our, the neighbors behind us always handed us rhubarb. Yeah, just out of nowhere from their garden. He once I I didn't know it. I didn't understand what it was. That's what you make strawberry oh, we, rhubarb pie. Oh yeah, no, I ate the shit. <laughs> I ate the shit, but it doesn't look. I anything. also had the Highlander. Okay. Because my dad was mm-hmm. big into action movies, and he liked the Sean Connery. I could so. see that being. I, but I, I, I like the that. sword play. You know what I mean? Because I, I saw on the, the martial arts. The TV and, show. I'd watch the TV show, but the movie and, didn't have any. Yep, I watched the TV show with my dad, so that was like a, a father-son bonding mm-hmm. thing for that. Right. And I, then, we did Airwolf. That's that's what we bonded on. Uh, the Goonies. Was so by number ten. That's crazy. Yeah. So the the one that I was gonna guess that your number one was that even didn't make your discards and it really it it honestly genuinely kind of blows my mind. You're gonna blow my mind now, probably. Well, this is because I recall it being that same drive-in summer or or one of them in, in a three-year span. Yeah, that's Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I fucking love Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, and I had that on VHS. I watched that thing so much. But I had all of these movies on yeah. VHS. Like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. 
not not all, just, not just, all of them were like the, theatrical release with the sleeve. Like I'm sure. talking, like my uncle got they it on, on HBO, HBO or yeah, the movie course, channel. The and got hand, Fuck it, like, who cares? A lot of them had three or four. Like I had Surf Ninjas, Three Ninjas, and Sidekick all, all on one. one, and I just watched the you yeah. know. But I was I was like, okay, now I'm just gonna rewind Surf Ninjas over and over and wore that tape out, bro. Like the tracking was like. <laughs> so have you? Had a chance to think about something for next week. Because if you haven't, I have a suggestion. I I have something here, but that's old ideas you've all said. Yeah, let me hear it. I would like to do a list of your favorite movies around a school. Where the characters... Around a school. Explain yes. explain around a school. Like the, the school's the, involved. The central like, plot involves a school. A stay away school. So like faculty... College, or, right. Or uh, a, um, give me an example of a non-horror movie that's... Silly. See, I, so there, I have a few that uh, I... Dazed and Confused. Yes. Uh, yes. Go, um, no, so, I'm not going to give my whole list away. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, I have some others, but like I... I um. Okay, well, yeah, because that's... Okay, no, yep, now I'm getting some... All right, some they should throwbacks. Start, they like, should start coming in, okay, but I'll give yeah. you... I think we we might have... You know, so if it involves... If it involves... A 80s s- movies about ski. Okay, so so an example that I don't think either of us... I'm not doing that episode. An example I don't think either of us would put in our, in our five choices would be Social Network. Okay? The central plot... Revolving around him being a student it, it, in the yeah, Harvard, it's a, it's a fabulous movie. But I know yeah. that that's not going to be, you know, because I, I, I know like, there's other ones. Yeah, that no, just, it's not going to make my list. Yeah. Right, so that was a safe one. But but one uh, here's another one that that won't make my list is uh, it's a Rodney Dangerfield Back to School. Would qualify. It would qualify. Would qualify. But it wouldn't be on my top five. Right. It'd be up in the fifteens. But right, and like, it could be any any age student. Right. Yeah, I'm down with that. Let's do that one next week. All sure. right. Yeah, now that my mind's in it, and dude, ten minutes on my phone, and I'm gonna my list is gonna be nothing I'm thinking of right now. All right. So oh, no, join I, us next oh, time. I already know my uh, top one. When we come I back, know my top one because that almost made this list. I'm gonna zip it up. Zip yeah. It up. See, that's it's kind of where the topic came from. Yeah, I love it. Some, I so, love it. um, uh, the gears are already turning uh, for our next discussion. We're gonna be doing uh, uh movies uh, based around. Uh, scholastics. Uh, scholastics, yeah, yeah. where the, the central characters uh, and the central plot line uh, revolves in some way academia. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll pick our, our five faves. Sounds or, good. Um, but in that time, we're also going to watch Little Monster. I think we're going to be watching that tonight. Uh, yes, so we we'll come back yes, we and uh, we'll give our, our fresh thoughts on Little Monster and kind of um, uh, see where that conversation takes us. I'm, I'm Where I'm interested, I'm, I'm really interested in, in checking out... Um, the shot composition uh, of how they yeah. move the camera uh, at that time. Cause I, I feel yeah, obviously I've, a studio. Ever, I've watched it recently again, but it, I don't think I've ever watched it as like, like just like as a gaffer, as a professional mm-hmm. gaffer, like looking at just like how they pulled off lighting tricks or why. Cause there's a lot of lighting gags in this. Right. The monsters are allergic to light. So anything over I, like I think 60 I'm going to look and see like how, how much get of melted into the set of is used. Like, or, you know, did, were they locked into, uh, an, uh, 180 line that was immovable because of the set, you know. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I, I never thought to think about you that. You know, the shots, the shots dictated yeah. from the, the from the set. So join us next time. Um, 
uh, on the Unorthodox Film Podcast. Uh, thank you, everybody. Again, I am Bradford, and I am here with uh, my co-host, uh, Joe Quick. Thank you for joining us on this journey. We're just getting started, folks. <laughs> <laughs>